Welcome to the Grace Harbor Church Sermon Podcast. Grace Harbor Church is located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, visit our website at ghokc.com. Amen. Amen. Uh, Stay standing. We'll read God's Word together this morning from Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read... Um, the whole section on the Lord's Prayer, verse 5 through 15. Um, if you don't have a, a Bible, I invite you to take one of those in the seat in front of you um, or a seat around you. Um, and this text is on page 811. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you that your word stands high and above this morning um, over what uh, anything that is said in this in this place right here. But Lord, I do ask that you would um, help me um, to to communicate your truths this morning um, in a clear way, um, in a faithful way, um, and in a way that builds us up as um, your body. Um, Help what we study here this morning equip us. Uh, for the work that you have called us to do uh, and the people that you've called us to be in this world as your children. Um, and so we are grateful this morning that we call upon you as, as Father, um, that we can be confident that you hear us, um, that we can be confident that you are over all things and control of all things, uh, but that we also, again, have access um, to you as, as a Father. Um, and as children um, to a father. Um, Lord, help us this morning to understand uh, what, what we're taught uh, and through your word. In your name, amen. All right, may, you may have a seat. Thanks for standing and uh, participating this morning. There will be some more opportunities to, to participate. Um, and so just prepare your hearts and your minds for, for that. So this morning, we've read uh, the entirety of the Lord's Prayer um, and we're really going to focus in this morning on verse 8 and 9. Um, and so last week we touched on verse 8, um, but this morning we're really going to spend our time on, on really those two verses. And we're going to attempt to look deeply into verse 9 in particular and, and is where we'll spend the bulk of our, of our time today. And so what my goal today is, so I'll kind of out of the gate state my goal, what the goal is today um, is to seek to understand something um, that is deeply profound and important um, through how Jesus models or patterns prayer for us in this text. Um, there's a reason why Jesus 
says, all that he says, right? But especially in the prayer this morning um, that, that, that we're studying, there's not a, there's not a vain word here um, or an out of place word or an unintentional word or a, you know, lackadaisically placed word in this prayer. It's very specific. But before we understand the pattern that Jesus gives here for prayer, we must remember something that we covered last week. Um, and, and, and we must remember a principle. It's not the principle. Remember, we tried to distinguish between what we're, we're claiming is the principle and what is a principle, but a principle of prayer and a foundation of prayer that, that we saw last week that comes directly from the text. And so verses five and six, Jesus establishes what seems to be a principle for prayer in that prayer is a denunciation of pride. It's us denouncing pride in our lives and pursuing humility, pursuing a posture of humility before a holy God um, in prayer. And so a principle of prayer is that we would denounce pride. And we talked about how we're in danger of living pridefully when we don't pray. Uh, because sometimes we feel like we can control things um, without prayer. And what prayer says is, I can't control anything. God is the one who's in control. And so that's a principle of prayer that is a denunciation of pride. And then a very important foundation for prayer that Jesus gives in verse, um, really in verse, verse eight, is that we have a father who hears us, a father who knows us. And so you see that in the text, um, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And so a important foundation for prayer, for us to be aware of, is to know that when we pray, God hears and God already knows what we need. Amen? That's what the word says, not, not me. And so Jesus, I believe, these are just kind of some observations that that have kind of stuck out to me as I've just had my eyes on this text for a few weeks and, and, and you're not gonna find them directly in the text, but I think two, two things that Jesus might be kind of highlighting or addressing or something that we can apply from this text, um, that, there's, that there's two common malpractices in prayer, two common um, mistakes that we make in prayer or, or really two things that Jesus seems to be highlighting. The first is hypocrisy, right? He, he flatly says that. Um, don't be like the hypocrites. And so maybe the, the first thing that we often experience in our prayer life is hypocrisy. Um, the, the second thing I think that Jesus may be addressing that at least we can make an application of in verses seven and eight is praying faithlessly, praying without faith. I think that when Jesus talks about don't be like the Gentiles and heap up empty words and vain repetition and all those things, I think it's probably addressing a tendency within us to pray without faith because Jesus shows us your father knows what you need. So pray faithfully. Jesus doesn't take your father knows what you need and use that as an excuse not to pray, does he? No, it seems that Jesus is saying you should pray because your father knows what you need. And when you pray, you can pray in faith, knowing that he hears us and knowing that he knows what you need. And so Jesus shows us that the hypocrites love to be seen. Hypocrites love to be seen. And the Gentiles heap up empty and repetitive phrases because they lack faith. And Jesus assures us of the truth that our Father knows. And so um, this is how Jesus then follows it up. Verse nine, if you would look with me at verse nine. Pray then like this. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so, so Jesus seems, what he's doing here is he tells us what not to do, right? Here's the disciples in Luke 11 ask him, teach us to pray. Um, and here in this text, Jesus comes out and says, do not pray like this. And then he follows up with pray instead or pray then like this. And so what Jesus does um, is he teaches us a pattern of prayer that I believe teaches us how to pray humbly and with faith. I think that's what Jesus is trying to do. And so may our posture as a church this morning, we kind of discussed this last week and we prayed even this way and we'll do it again. May our posture towards God's word here today be that of the disciples in Luke 11, which says what? Lord, teach us to pray. Hey, I don't know about you, but prayer is familiar to me. I've, I've seen it all throughout my life. I've had seasons of, of faithful prayer. I've had seasons of drought in my prayer. But I know that as I have studied this, that my prayer in my heart is that the Lord would teach me to pray. <laughs> would, would you agree that you have the same desire? that you would want the Lord to teach us how to pray. And so let's, let's ask the Lord again. He's taught us in his word, but let's come to the Lord humbly and in faith, knowing that he knows what we need before we know it. And without pride that, hey, I know how to pray, man. I pray every day. Hey, there's always growth available to us. And so let's pray. Father, we again just approach you this morning um, knowing that, that um, we, are, we are weak and we are frail, uh, that even in our own inconsistency and in our own lack of, of discipline in, in this area, that, that you are still a God who knows what we need. Um, you still have resolved and set out to, um, to conform us to the image of your son. Um, and so, Lord, in light of that, would you give us an even deeper desire to pray? Um, Lord, it's not a, a reason for us not to pray that you already know what we need, but because you know what we need, it's a reason even more to come to you in prayer um, and in, in submission and in surrender um, to, to what it is that you would will for our lives. Thank you, Father, and we pray these things in the name of your Son. Amen. So pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so Jesus begins his model prayer. Guys, we've got to really lean into this. I know it's kind of dreary and drowsy and muggy and like, when's the rain going to fall? But there is something so important that we must understand about what Jesus teaches here. And so Jesus begins his model prayer by reinforcing a truth that he's already established, that God is our Father. Jesus already said that. It's like, Jesus, you already said that in, in, in verse, verse, nine, uh, verse eight. Why are we saying it again? Well, I believe that this whole model prayer captures, again, what a humble, faith-filled prayer looks like, but it, is, it especially seems to be the case here in this opening line, that we are praying humbly, we are praying in faith that God knows what we need. And so I think just reading slowly over this line a few times. So if you don't have a Bible, get one. Um, there's one in the seats in front of you. There's one probably behind you. If there's not one in front of you, get one and just read slowly over these first four words um, in this model prayer. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. And then maybe you would ask yourself the question, our Father in heaven? We're talking about 
a holy God here? Our Father in heaven. Hey, this line in the model prayer of Jesus is, is as important to us as it is familiar. Hey, it's a very familiar line, isn't it? I mean, the, the world, those who are far from God, like you could say this line and there would be familiarity to it. But just know that it is as important to us as it is familiar. And we must not allow the familiarity of the line to cloud the significance of the line. Because I think that's what Jesus is, is showing us and teaching us. We think, church people, of course God is our Father. Of course God's our Father. We know this line. How familiar of a truth this is for us. But to the disciples, for us to understand a little bit about who would have been hearing this early on, to the disciples of Jesus, this must have and likely was a shocking claim to them. And I think for us, it should still kind of capture some of that shock and surprise and awe in us. No one at the time when Jesus is teaching them would have had the audacity or even the framework or the context to call upon God as their father, the, the creator God, holy, 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 the, the, one, the, the one who the high priest could approach only once a year in the holy of holies. They were deathly afraid of even calling on God by his revealed name, Yahweh. They were, they were, they had great reverence in even referring to God by the name that he told them to call, to call him, Yahweh. Yet Jesus, here in his model prayer, calls on God as Father, not only once, but, but twice. Twice. Verse 8 and verse 9. He, he, he calls on God once, I think, the first time, giving us a rightful foundation in prayer that our Father hears us, and another calling upon God in the proper pattern of prayer, now inviting us to call on him as that. So Jesus establishes that God in heaven, your Father, knows what you need. And then when he models prayer for us, he's saying, hey, guess what, disciples? Guess what, followers of Jesus? you have the opportunity not only to believe that God hears you, you have the opportunity to call on him as such, as our father. And so church family, if we desire to be a praying people and a praying church, Jesus has modeled for us here in this text that the most fundamental reality that we must know and experience is our sonship is being sons and daughters of God. You see the text, right? Jesus starts, our Father in heaven. J.I. Packer, um, if you've heard of J.I. Packer, he has a great book on prayer called Knowing God. It's a classic. Um, and I wanna read a quote. Um, I've got it up here on the screen. It might be a little small, and so I apologize for that, um, but you can listen just as, just as quickly. Is it there? Yeah, there we go. It says this, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and, how, and, and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and his prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well. It doesn't say you're not a Christian. It says you don't understand the essence of Christianity well, which this is speaking to me. For everything that Christ taught, 
Everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctly Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. Hey, listen, calling on God as father doesn't make you a Christian. Belief and faith in the son of God is what saves us. But in order to live as Christian and the historical orthodox belief and thought of God is God our father. And so the fatherhood of God is something that we must both know and experience deeply. This is, this is why I say that the familiarity of it must not cloud the significance of it. Because like, like I said, we, we all know, right? I mean, if, if, there was, if we did a pop quiz this morning, which some of you that just like gives all sorts, sends chills up your spine here in pop quiz, you're like, oh goodness. So I won't do it. But if we did a pop quiz and it was a simple true or false, everyone would get this right. Is God, God is our father, true or false? I think everyone would probably get that answer right. But can I just ask us, and this is not something we can just kind of work up in ourselves. It's something we need the spirit of God to do in us. Can I just ask us, have you experienced God as father? Have you experienced him in that way? Uh, because, Because God is not merely, he is, but he is not merely our sovereign judge and our ruler. That he is, amen? He is our sovereign judge and ruler, but he is also our father, the one who calls us and invites us to pray and and, and prepares our hearts for prayer. Jesus says he knows what we need and he hears us. Remember last week, this isn't just some New Testament idea that that God hears us, right? Um, It's it's an opening pages of the Bible principle. (laughs) Genesis chapter 16, as early as then, when um, the the, the proclamation of, of Hagar and then in Exodus, when the people of God are crying out to God, man, in both places, in the opening pages of Scripture, in the opening chapters of Scripture, you've got this fundamental truth about God, that God is a God who knows us, and he is a God who hears us, he is a God who sees us, and, and all of those wonderful things, right? And so, hey, I'm a, I'm a huge fan and a proponent of Acts praying, Acts, not A-X-E, like the stuff you spray on your body, not that. Acts, A-C-T-S, like Acts in the Bible. Um, so if you're unfamiliar with what the Acts acronym is, it's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I think it, it, it's, a, it's a pretty good pattern as well for us to pray even what Jesus instructs us to pray. In fact, it's what I will encourage us as a church. It's what I'd encourage you personally. If you came to me and said, hey, what are some, what are some just practical things on prayer? I would say consider praying through the Acts acronym. Adoring God, confessing your sins to God, giving thanksgiving to God, prayers of supplication, which means praying for the needs and the, and the, 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 the needs of ourselves and those around us. Um, and I believe it captures a, a lot of the essence of Christ's pattern for us in prayer. Um, but for, for many of us, when using this acronym, our minds many times begin with, hallowed be your name, right? At least for me. I don't want to make judgments on you, but when I think coming to God in an adoring way or adoring his name, oftentimes I think, God, you are holy. God, you are holy and you are mighty and you are powerful. 
We, we, how, we hear adoration, and we approach God as many of Jewish leaders would have in their day, that God is holy. Family, God is holy, amen? God is, God is holy. He is pure, and he is just. When calling upon God as Father, you ought to have a right view of who God is in his holiness. But don't miss out on adoring God, not only as holy, but adoring God as our Father. So when, if, and when you use the ACTS acronym, maybe, maybe I don't know, this is probably like sacrilegious, uh, but it's not you know, terribly bad. Um, rephrase ACTS to like PACTS, P-A-C-T-S, personal, that God is a personal God. By the way, you don't have to do that because you can adore God as Father. You can adore God as holy. You can cry out to God and call upon his character. So don't miss out the way that Jesus opens this prayer. Our Father in heaven. And then and only then does hallowing his name come. We call upon God as Father. So Father certainly ought to indicate to us endearment and gratitude. We kind of talked about that angle of it, right? But it also must spark in us humility, This is why I think Jesus kind of laying out what a humble, faith-filled prayer looks like. A humble prayer is is God is our Father, and that's an endearing thing to call out and to claim and acknowledge about God, but it also should spark in us humility. God as our Father comforts us, but it also quickly humbles us, and the, the, the implication of God as our Father is that we are his children, right? That we're not the dad, my children, Sometimes ask me why I ask them to do what they do, and I just say, I can't remember what I say. I say, who's the dad? <laughs> who's, who's dad here? Who's, who's mom here? And so there, is, there obviously is a, a, a little bit of, a, of a, a, I hate to use the word hierarchy there, that I am the father and you are the children. So when we call out to God as father, what we're doing is we are, we are recognizing that we are children, that we are not the father, that we don't make the call. Somebody's calling me. It's one of my Afghan neighbors. I'm really tempted to answer it because he would, he would love to see you. No, no, we won't do it right now. We'll, we'll talk to him later. Love that, love that, brother. And so we remember that, that God is our father and that we are his children. So we approach God as children uh, and as our father. And, and when you think father and child, don't think Veruca Salt, right? Anybody? Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. We don't approach God in that kind of father-child relationship. I want a golden goose and I want it now, right? We don't. We don't expect for God to have all of his factory workers in the factory, you know, frantically ripping apart candy bars to get us what we want. That's not the kind of father-child relationship that we have. This is not the kind of father-child-father relationship that serves as a picture of ours with God. This is less father with the checkbook and more, as Jesus states and aligns us on, let's move on. Our, our Father in heaven. You see that? So Jesus quickly follows up our Father with making sure we have a right understanding of the relationship that we have with our Father. Our Father, not 
breaking his back, accomplishing the things that we want in our life, but no, our Father who exists and dwells in the heavenlies, right? So on one hand, we must not and we cannot miss out on God as our Father, and I hope that we've well established that. And on the other hand, a danger that we are all prone to here is that the way that we approach God as a father-child is, is more of an entitled child rather than a submissive one. So we approach, we're, we're like, okay, okay, Nathan, I believe you. Father, father, father. So surely that means I should get what I want. No, we don't approach God as an entitled child. We approach God as a submissive one. And again, I mean, we, we have to understand the Bible constantly brings light to the attention that God is not a, he's not an angry father. He's not an abusive father. Like the things that he commands us to do are not things that, that weigh us down. There are things that free us. My mind always goes to Psalm 16, thinking about the, 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 the lines, that the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, that God has placed lines and boundaries in our life for what? For oppressive reasons? No, for pleasant. They've fallen for me pleasant in pleasant places. And so we are submissive to our father, but we are submissive to him in a way that is a response to his love for us and his good that he has for us. So this approach to God as our father in heaven not only claims his location, like, um, but proclaims his power. And so when Jesus says our father in heaven, he's not just saying this is where God is. No, when we, when we say that a particular pre, uh, president is in the White House, we're talking about more than just his address, Right? Uh, we say the White House has spoken or the White House, um, it, kind of, it kind of indicates or uh, communicates for us a, a position of power, right? Um, not just a, a physical location on the map. And, and I think throughout the scriptures, Psalm 115.3 being one of them, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Isn't just about God being there and us here it really communicates for us what we're doing, what, what Jesus is doing is we are appealing to a position and a place of power and prominence. That's the place that God holds in this world and in our lives. Not just in heaven, that one day we get to go be with him, which, praise God, we get to do that. But we're appealing to this position and place of power and prominence and this is often what the biblical authors mean by him being in heaven, that he rules over all things. And so when we, when we pray, we are calling upon God as our father and we are holding on to, we are claiming what the Bible claims and holding on to the, the power and the omnipotence of God. We are proclaiming that, that God is in control. God needs permission from no one. Um, no one can stop the plans of God. God always wins. And so we call out to our God, our Father in heaven. And so it's both comfort and confidence, right? We are both comforted by this truth and we have confidence in it. And so as we apply this and think on how to allow it to shape our prayers and our approach to God, I think Tim Keller makes a really good point when he says that all of our interactions with other people are built upon the basis of something. 
So, so every interaction that you and I have throughout our week, we all in this room have dozens and dozens of interactions throughout our week, and every single one is on the basis of something. And so some on the basis of a service that you provide, and then someone seeking out the service that you offer, right? So that's the basis of our communication. Maybe you're the customer seeking out another's service. Maybe you're a manager in the context of the majority of the interactions that you have with others is those who you employ. There's a, and, and you kind of have like, you know, eight to five, don't call me after that. Unless you're Ted, who told me he checked his work email this morning. I said, don't check your work email on Sundays. Check it tomorrow. And so we all have a, a, a basis of interactions that we communicate with. And then you have your children, right? You have your children whose basis of communication with you is a relationship that you have with them. That's the basis of, of your interaction with your child is relationship. And Jesus is stating here, Jesus is stating in this prayer that the basis of the communication that we have with God is relationship. Man, isn't that powerful? Like when we approach God, yes, we approach him as, as holy. Yes, we approach him as just. Yes, we approach him as ruler. But Jesus patterns for us that the, that the way that we enter into communication with God is on the basis of relationship with him. And, it's, and, and we have to get this because the gospel's in this prayer. You know that, right? Jesus, Jesus kind of shares, shares important aspects of the gospel throughout this whole prayer. And because this is a relationship not on the basis of what we have done, it's not a relationship based upon what we are owed, but a relationship based upon what God has done for us in Christ. And so the, the work and the righteousness of Christ and Christ alone is what gains us access to God as a father. That's it. Your goodness, your good deed. Remember last week, we, and, and this is kind of, probably shouldn't even bring this up right now because it's a little bit off topic, but remember last week you said that everything in the Christian life is easier than prayer. You know, coming to church, is for me at least, I won't, I won't make judgments on you, but for me, I need to turn this thing down. For me, coming to church, preparing sermons, all of those things are easier than, than stopping and coming to God in prayer. But what the scriptures tell us is that the work and the righteousness of Christ and Christ alone is what gains us access, what creates this basis of relationship with our Father. Christ's work. In fact, I love what John chapter one, verse 12 and 13 says. If you want to, you may go with me there. John chapter one, verse 12. This, this just kind of confirms for us this principle of, this relationship that we have. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were, not born, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Paul to Titus in chapter three, verse five, another profound passage, really five through seven is what we'll read. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, 
whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so this is so important for us to understand as we approach God as our Father. Can I just, can I just challenge us for a, for a second in light of these texts? The, the way that we respond... Evaluate yourself. I, I cannot make a judgment on you right here. But the way that we respond when we get what we pray for or don't get what we have prayed for often reveals the basis upon which we think we approach God. And so the way that you, the way that you respond to the way that God answers your prayers or the way that he doesn't answer your prayers reveals something. And so evaluate this in your own heart and mind. It reveals something. And it reveals upon what basis you think you have access to God. And so here's what I mean by that. Is everything that God gives or withholds the grace of God or not? Yes. Everything that God gives to us, everything that God allows in our lives, as hard and as, and as, and as tough as that, as that might be, remember what Romans 8 said. That's why we chose Romans 8, 26 through 30 that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And that he has predestined to conform us to the image of his son. And so you put those things together and they serve as really good commentary for one another. You wanna understand this, then understand this. That means that everything in our life that happens, he is pushing us more and more to the image of his son, Jesus. And that may be really hard to hear, but... So is everything that God gives or withholds the grace of God? Or am I entitled to have God respond to me in the way that I feel he should? And so if we want to evaluate what our hearts believe the basis of our relationship with God to be, then look at the way that we respond to the way that God responds to our prayers. Does, does the basis of your prayers depend on what you have done for God or what God has done for you through his son? Because if it depends on what you've done, you will either feel entitled or crushed. If, if the basis of your communication with God has to do with what you've done for him, you will either feel entitled in your prayers or crushed in your prayers because you will always come to God saying, God, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this for you and I've done this for you. You ought to respond in this way and you will feel entitled or you will feel crushed. If you come to God and say, God, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and you didn't answer it in this way, then you're like, then what good is my faith? Then what good is my obedience? But it's only when we come to God on the basis of what Christ has done and accomplished for us that we approach God as our Father and that we, God responds to us and that we just come to God, remember, humbly, right? That's a a principle of prayer is a denunciation of pride, that we would come to God humbly. God, thank you for what you have done for me through your son, Jesus. None of that's deserved. Nothing good that I have ever received from you is because I'm good or because I'm, I'm more, as, as, Jesus, as God would say in the Old Testament, because I'm more worthy than the rest, but because you have set your love on me because of your mercy is what, is what Paul says in Titus. He poured out, on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so let me just invite you this morning to, to understand that that clock is broken. It's been on 11.15 all the whole time. I'm like, man, I've got to hurry. But then it stopped. And so I'm kind of like, oh, I've got more time. So 
I just want to invite you to, to evaluate your own heart. Hey, maybe for some of us, like, like me, I'm, I'm in this boat. There have been seasons where it's a severe drought of prayer, which is kind of a hard thing to admit as someone preaching on prayer. Remember last week I said if hearing a sermon on prayer kind of makes you feel guilty, then preaching on it makes you feel like a hypocrite. So I kind of feel hypocritical even in some of this. But the good thing is that we walk together, that we build one another up. I don't just build you, you build me. You strengthen my faith. And so I would just love to invite us this morning to, to, to approach God as Father. And we're gonna take time now. We're gonna take, we're gonna take five to 10 minutes, even right now, to do that. You don't gotta, you, I'm not gonna ask anybody to pray, pray publicly or pray audibly, though I would invite you to if you feel so led to do that. Um, but maybe for just a few minutes, um, doing something that's a little bit too unusual and unfamiliar within the church house. And that's praying. That's coming before the Father and, 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 and praying in this way. And so pray for and pray how this morning you feel led, but allow the pattern that Jesus gives in approaching God as Father to be what patterns your prayer this morning. Maybe approach him this, this morning for the first time as, as our Father in heaven. And so I just, again, invite you to do that. We're not gonna have any music or anything like that to try to emotionally move you, but just you in a place with God, spending some time in prayer, and maybe you think, I don't need to do this, I don't wanna do this. Well, if that is kind of your spirit this morning, then I would just invite you more into the spirit of God and say, please do it. Please commune with your heavenly father this morning.